Hi there, I'm Paul Irwin and welcome to the pros.com podcast, where we discuss all of the relevant issues to help you succeed as a freelance translator or interpreter. We cover sales and marketing, networking, cat tools, and much, much more. Find out more at anchor.fm slash pros. Hey there, Paul here, and welcome to episode 13 of the pros.com podcast. Well, today we have an interview with the very experienced Tess Witty. So that's coming up in in just a second. Tess really is really is amazing, amazing, and just just shares so much, uh, so many uh, great pieces of advice, so many great tips. So you will definitely want to stick around for that. This is the last podcast of 2020. So I will be back on the 12th of January. In the meantime, I hope you were able to fit in a bit of uh, rest and relaxation, enjoy the holiday season and and really sort of uh, just recharge your batteries ready for ready for next year. So have a have a fantastic time over the holiday season and I, I really appreciate your support for the pros.com podcast and and I wish you absolutely every success in 2021. So we'll be back on the 12th of January. Now, if you aren't a pros.com member already, you can sign up with our year-end special offer. Now, plus membership is normally $180, but if you purchase before December the 31st, then you can uh, you can get that for $144. And standard membership, which is normally $120, is coming in at $96. So set yourself up for success in 2021 with that pros.com membership. Remember that the Plus membership comes with a range of additional benefits such as access to the Translation Mastermind Facebook group and also access to the video library with over 700 hours of video content. If you'd like to uh, check out the full list of membership benefits then head on over to pros.com slash membership and to get the special offer head on over to this link go.pros.com slash 2020 that's go go.pros.com slash 2020 that is a limited time special offer it's only available up until the end of this year up to the 31st of December and it's a great opportunity for you to set yourself up for that success in 2021. If you have any questions at all, please email me at trainingatpros.com. Right, well, let's get cracking with the interview with Tess. Tess Witty is an English to Swedish freelance translator specializing in corporate communications, software, and IT. She has an MSc in economics and an MA in marketing and previously worked as a marketing manager. She shares her knowledge and experience in marketing and business as an award-winning speaker, trainer, consultant, author, and podcaster. Tess, welcome to the show. Thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm I'm delighted to have you on, Tess, and um, really looking forward to our discussion where we will be talking a little bit about target markets today Mm -hmm. and and what's important for a translator to think about in terms of target markets. But, uh, but first of all, let's, let's dive in a little bit into your, into your background. I, I kind of feel, Tess, that everyone in the industry knows your record, but, 
but that's probably not the case, probably not everyone. So tell us a little bit about how you got started and how you got to where you are today, please. Mm-hmm. So I did not study translation, I studied marketing, but I studied ling- ling- languages on the side. I, I've studied six mm-hmm. languages. Um, wow. I've always been fascinated by languages, but did not see a career in it uh, until we moved to the United States from Sweden. I'm an, um, yep. I started looking into things to do from home because I had small children and I sort of stumbled upon translation and I had, you know, done the thing that they recommend not to do while I was working as a marketing and communications manager. They would ask me to translate some things um, so I knew what it was. And um, yep. I actually got started on prose. I did some research, created resume, profile, etc. And um, after my first job on prose, I was hooked and I've never looked back. And now I've been an English into Swedish freelance translator for 17 years. Wow. But wow. in uh, um, I think that my career has gone so well. I mean, it, other, other people's careers can go well too, but I feel like I benefited a lot from my marketing background. I had mm-hmm. studied marketing and I worked as a product marketing manager uh, before we moved and I... I knew marketing and I know that that is so important if you want to succeed as a freelance translator or interpreter. So from about 2010, I started sharing what I know about marketing Mm -hmm. through uh, presentations at conferences, through webinars. um, And now I have two published books about marketing for freelance translators. And I have a podcast with over 260 episodes called Marketing Tips for Translators. Yeah, that's amazing. Amazing that you got up to that number. It really is. Um, it really is incredible. So obviously the marketing helped you to get clients for yourself mm-hmm. back in the early days, if you like. And then from there, you've you've been sort of sharing that knowledge with people for the last... 10 years now, which again is very, very impressive. So yeah, brilliant. Good stuff. For, for those people, for those people who do know you a little bit, because you are obviously super recognized within the industry, tell us a little bit about some of the other things that people might not know about you. I think you're, I think you're quite into yoga and skiing and that kind of thing. Is that, is that right? Yes. I live in a ski resort town in Park City, Utah. I live at 2,000 meters above sea level, which is about 6,000 feet. So lots of snow, lots of winter. And I enjoy Nordic skiing, so cross-country skiing, more than alpine. I enjoy alpine too, but I usually don't have the time for it. Uh, but it's certainly the place to live to do that. And in when there's not snow, I enjoy mountain biking and hiking and just being out in the mountains or by the ocean. I need an ocean fix every year. I have not gotten one this year yet. Hmm. So um, I am deprived. <laughs> and very, I have also... Like, very good. Very, very active, aren't you? It's... Uh, I think it... I've always been that... But it's also where I live. Everybody's 
active and we call it playing. Have you been outside to play today? <laughs> okay, very good. But what keeps me sane and what I have been doing for uh, almost 20 years now is also yoga. I've been practicing yoga. And um, I started with yoga as sort of a type of exercise. And um, now I do it for so much more. And I decided during COVID to do some yoga teacher training. So now I have my 200-hour certification as a yoga teacher, too. Wow, that's that's amazing. And and do you find that those activities really help you as a professional in terms of reducing stress and having a change of scenery and everything else? Would you sort of say that that is definitely true? Definitely. I need to have moved before I sit down to do my translation work. Um, that gives me more focus mm -hmm. and I am actually more productive. You know, um, this is just because it's so ingrained, but I know for people who are not used to being active, it's just one thing that you postpone and, th and think that you're going to do it later because you don't have time. But the, it's actually the other way around. Once you have gone out for a walk for 30 minutes or done something for 30 minutes to an hour, you are actually more productive and can focus better, is my conclusion. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I, w I would totally agree with that. I think, it, I think it makes a difference to one's day. And I think if you're in a situation where you can do it, you should definitely go ahead and do something. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. All right. Well, thanks a lot for that introduction, Tess. That's that's good stuff. Let's dive into our topic today, which is all about target markets. This is a really important subject for, for mm -hmm. translators, right? Mm -hmm. So so let me ask you to get started. Why do you think it is important for a translator to think about or to consider a target market in the first place? Oh, how long do I have? I have so much <laughs> to say about this. First of all, having a target market makes marketing easier. It makes it easier to know who you're going to reach out to, how you're going to uh, get in touch with them, uh, what is important to them, and how you can help them. And I know a lot of, a lot of, um, I, I've, I've coached and, and guided a lot of uh, translators and. And some of them really get stressed out about the idea of, of actually narrowing their focus down to one target market or one ideal client and think that if you niche down or focus everything on this one industry or area or target, that they're limiting their opportunities to work with other people but uh, and, and that they might miss out. But this thinking comes from uh, just that, a false belief that narrowing your focus means that you're limiting yourself. Instead, you're just creating more focus for yourself and you will be seen more as an expert because you focus down on one particular market, one particular area. Plus, you get more productive, you get more knowledge in that area. And, um, you know, if you see a, a profile on pros.com, and they list to 10 to 20 different areas of specialization. Yeah. That doesn't 
actually give a good impression for the client. They are they would like to see that you focused on one or two or three areas related to what they need their translation done in or for. Um, then they they much rather hire somebody that has expertise in an area than not. Absolutely, absolutely. But I've heard that sort of expression of fear so many times over the years that, that mm-hmm. someone believes that they're really going to miss out if they don't, if they don't, if they, if they do narrow down their focus. And I like what you said about making marketing easier. I think that's a really good point, Tess, because, because when you start with marketing and you try and contact everyone and you try and contact everyone in every way, it just becomes overwhelming. But if you have this target market defined and you know what kind of client it is that you're looking for, it does, as you said, make your job easier. Mm -hmm. And I just want to put a caveat in defining a target market or an ideal client uh, doesn't mean that you can't do anything else, like in any related area or something. It just means that you have specified who you work best with and what you can do best. But you're you're still leaving the door open. You're still leaving Sorry? the door open to you're still leaving the door open to other opportunities. Yes. Yeah, so what I teach in my courses is look at it as as a bullseye. Your ideal clients and your target market, if you niche down really specifically, that's the center of the bullseye or the target. And then clients uh, who are close to the bullseye or close to your client persona um, are the outer circles. There's, There's still a good fit, but not an exact match. And you can still help them. And clients who are just then a little less of a a little related target market, so to speak, but share commonalities with the ideal client. They are the next layer ring, etc. And if you look at a profile and you see that somebody is claiming a target market or an area of specialization, uh, they still think that, okay, but they can also help me with this sort of a related area. It doesn't limit too much. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, t- totally, totally. I'm I'm thinking of me playing darts and and trying to hit the dartboard, and and the darts are flying off, you know, so, sort of on the floor somewhere. It is that it's that kind of client that totally isn't the right fit for you at all that uh-huh. you really do need to eliminate. And I think that I think over time you probably get better at hitting that bullseye, so you end up with more and more clients. You know, in the beginning, it's not going to be very easy to wake up on day one and say, well, I need 10 clients that are going to be in that bullseye that are going to be absolute perfect clients. But you might get a few perfect clients and a few not so perfect and a few, you know, that really aren't quite the right fit. But that's going to help you understand what you need moving forward. And then over time, you get better Mm -hmm. and better. Yeah. And just dare to make a choice uh, because choosing the wrong niche is actually better than choosing no niche at all it gives uh, it gives you more clarity it will give you a a direction moving forward and you can think okay that wasn't quite what I wanted to do for the rest of my life let's change this a little bit (laughs) so yeah that's brilliant but I, I don't think everyone thinks like this at the beginning so let's see let's see if we can help people even more so 
So how would someone go about identifying a target market or what steps might they take to identify their target market, Tess? Mm -hmm. So usually the translation industry is divided up into uh, general niches. So you can either focus on legal or finance business or marketing or medical or audiovisual or gaming um, and or or uh, literature. So you at least you, you start with one of these and that can be enough in the beginning actually. And then uh, you look at your skills and what you are good at and what you enjoy doing. So what is your most important skills and areas and and what you're good at, so to speak, in that area. And if you are a freshly fresh graduate from, so for me, my areas of specialization came quite naturally. I, I specialize in marketing and IT. So if you combine that, it's digital yeah. marketing these days. Yeah, yeah. Because I had that experience. But if you don't have that experience, you have to dig deeper and look at what you enjoy doing, what you enjoy researching, um, your your hobbies and passions and and what you what programs you enjoy watching on TV, like is it courtroom dramas or is it cooking or <laughs> and yeah. and and so forth. And see what your strengths are and skills and what you enjoy researching. And then you look at in this area what um what market or what industry in this area needs your services the most. Does it have a growing um, need or a demand? Uh, and also look at, so if you have worked before, or I mean, if you have clients already, you can look at your current clients and see who you enjoy working with, what types of projects you enjoy working with and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So let's... So we give you some examples of when you've actually chiseled it down, what it could become, if you want. Absolutely. Yes, please. So this can be, okay, I want to focus on finding more clients. And this is more, you can do this with agencies for sure, uh, because agencies also need to specialize. And with what type of agencies do you enjoy working with? Um, and in what particular areas and what types of documents. But if you're also targeting end clients or direct clients, it can look like international educational companies with branches in Poland or digital marketing companies in Sc Scandinavia. They're medium-sized using English as a company language and they need transcreation, SEO, and localization. Or patent attorneys in London who need their document translated into Spanish or something like that. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that really helps a lot. It's, it's just that. Just being super, super specific. And I think the incredible thing is that even though you can be that specific, you'll still find a whole range of companies that, mm -hmm. that fit those characteristics. So, so you're going to have plenty of companies to get in touch with, but you're now mm -hmm. going to have a much more coherent focus or story or offering that's really going to help you or make you much more attractive to them, essentially. 
And choosing one market doesn't mean that it's set in stone. I'm still working on chiseling it out. I think I've gone from more uh, software localization, which I still do, but I get more and more um, specialized in digital marketing and, and international SEO and everything that goes with digital marketing. So I'm still working on. Yep. Yep. Brilliant. And, and how do you balance those, your, in, your interests? How do you balance that with that demand factor? It's really important as well, I would say. No? So it's not just a case of, oh, I really like doing something, I'm going to do that. No, you, there has to be a demand for it and there has to be a market for it. Even if it doesn't have to be super, super big, but the, the, the bigger the demand, the easier it is to get get projects in it if you specialize in a particular types of crocheting uh that is only known in the in let's say argentina then then the market might not be big enough for you and you might not have enough work so so that's why it's best to start out with the general industries and narrow down from there and the general industries that have a demand and all those general six general industries that I mentioned in the beginning do have a demand and then you find your ideal market within those so finance tech legal medical they would be kind of Mm -hmm. the big ones yeah brilliant brilliant stuff okay what if what if someone is looking at a market particular market they've identified some characteristics and they start thinking wow there seems to be a lot of competition here I mean, first of all, how can you really tell how much competition there is? And if you think that there's quite a lot of competition or there's hundreds of legal translators out there, but I'm just starting, how am I going to fit in? What what would you do if you feel that you're entering a competitive market? I wouldn't worry too much about the competition. That just means that there is that it's a viable market but however what you should focus on then is how can you differentiate yourself do you have anything in your background or is there something you can develop that sort of differentiates you a little bit more or that you can showcase your expertise in more so courses continuing education certification um uh, client testimonials, case studies, referrals, um, just yep. trying to differentiate yourself and and get um, the more you actually narrow down, the smaller the market or the competition gets. Yep. When you when you narrow down in. In just one, so if if it's for example the field of medical, that's really big and huge, and there's a lot of medical translators. But if you then narrow down into orthodontics or orthopedics or something, then and, and get learn as much as you can about this area and train yourself, then the competition in that area is suddenly much much smaller. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Okay, so let me ask you, let's imagine this following situation. So someone has niched down, 
they have some certifications, they have some experience, they have some testimonials, and they've also taken the time to identify quite a specific market in terms of, you know, similar to the examples you gave earlier. So mm-hmm. a certain size of company in a certain location, who who wants some, you know, who wants a certain type of service, a certain a certain language pair and so on. So now what recommendations would you give to that person who is now going to target those those companies? So we're actually going to to now take our skills and then we're going to reach out to those companies. So I'm so I'm thinking what we're not going to do is send them an email saying, dear sir or madam, I'm translator, mm-hmm. please, please send me some work. So what what should we be doing in that situation? Once you've identified a market or who you would like to work with, try to learn as much as possible about them. So um, what, well, industry, of course, and size, um, but also where do they hang out? What events do they go to? What? groups do they belong to what journals do they read um is is the company culture conservative or progressive uh, what trade associations are they members of um just learn as much as possible about them so that you can go and hang out where they hang out live events is of course always easier to connect with with um, potential clients but if you can't just you can hang out where they hang out online if they do that and just if you are um, in a group for example on LinkedIn and you can just see what they what is being discussed in that group if it is an active group and um, see if learn more and maybe then, reach out, answer some questions, share some some good information about about that can help and then you can reach out to them or learn as much as possible, research their website, research their industry and then send a warm email saying, um, I noticed that you um, have this website in this language. Have you ever considered having one in... The other language, I noticed you opened a, a, a branch in this country and so forth. This is for direct clients, but even for agencies, learn as much as you can about them, the area of specialization, and then reach out and show your expertise and that you can help them within this area. And um, so when it comes to marketing, you can either reach out directly by warm email, no cold emails or um, letters saying, dear sir, madam, this is me. Instead, like, dear Mr. X, um, and then see say where you found that information about them and that you know about them, that you've heard about them and how you can help. And same thing, uh, this is the strategy I use a lot because I work in a in a limited diffusion language. I uh, make sure that I can easily be found online by optimizing my website, my LinkedIn profile, sharing content that I know my target clients would find helpful, um, making sure that I'm listed everywhere where they might be looking for my services. Wow, wow, that's brilliant. Brilliant. So much, so much great stuff in there, Tess. 
So I really like the idea of interacting with people and then you've taken us through the whole process really. It's then that reaching out and that reaching out in the form of a specifically of a of a warm email. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think that def- I think definitely that method works. I think it works even better if you know if you've interacted with someone's LinkedIn feed and you've left one or two comments and maybe you've answered a question or something then I think by the time that warm email comes, mm-hmm. as the name suggests, that it mm-hmm. hopefully, it's pretty likely in most cases that they're actually going to recognize your name. And when they see the email come in, yes. and they're going to think, oh yeah, you know, I recognize that name. They're going to open the email and then they're likely to engage in a conversation. You know, even if, I mean, as we know in marketing, not every prospect turns into a client. That's just a simple fact of how it works. But I think they're much more mm-hmm. likely to engage in a conversation with you to be helpful. And some of those, of course, are going to turn into clients. And I think that actually any method of getting in front of a client, uh, an ideal client is good. You just have to pick the ones that work for you, but um, with, with a focus of being helpful. Yeah. Of connecting. Yeah not selling or not like say hey you need my services this is me <laughs> yeah i think I, I i totally agree with that tess i think some people just find it difficult that when you when you sort of when to change it's not to it's not to change tack but when to reach out when to talk about your business because there's kind of two extremes here right so the first extreme is just to contact someone out of the blue and say, hey, you need my services. I'm Mm -hmm. amazing. You need my services now. So that's the first extreme. And the second extreme is to interact with people on social media and and never tell them about Mm -hmm. your services and just say, you know, hi, interesting, that's great. And never to kind of cross over and try and convert those people into into clients. And it's kind of finding that balance, that, that right moment when the person might be looking for something when you've understood the situation, I think many people might find that difficult. And it also takes practice. You have to find that trial and error. You, maybe in the beginning you just do uh, reach out in a in a non-helpful way, but you learn after a while that then that it's better to to focus on being helpful. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't say you shouldn't speak about what you do and and who you help. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and the other thing you mentioned is content specific to your target market. So how do you decide what content do you create specifically for your target market? And, and how do you go about that, Tess? So I actually have a worksheet on how to find your target market and ideal client. And Um, that I want to share with the listeners today. And in this worksheet, I have um, this worksheet I've used in my courses too. um, You you need to find out as much as possible about this type of client. So industry, business stage, uh, size, services they need and use, the problems they have. Um, what they struggle with and how you can help the services they need from you, uh, who is the decision maker. Um, And then 
you can go as far as, and I have this, and I've learned this from others. Uh, if you have your, if if I have my idea clients, I know who I want to reach, and I have some of them. I work with some. I I clone my best clients and see if they're similar ones. Then yeah. I can actually, I've been encouraged to call if you can can arrange a phone call with some of these clients and ask them, what do you struggle with? Where do you look for information? What is helpful to you? Um, how, how did you find me? And what is the best thing about using my services? And it's amazing. I've done this. Um, many people don't want to talk about talk on the phone, but at least they can answer this, these questions in email. And it's amazing the answers you get. And based on this, you can sort of uh, know what they, where they hang out online, what struggles they have, and what the solutions are. And then you can sort of tailor content um, or be helpful and write stuff that can be helpful for them. So for example, I write a lot about about digital marketing and what to think about when you want to reach a, a, another market with your marketing uh, material, the cultural differences, and what to think about when you want to optimize your marketing or, or online content for SEO. It's not the same. You can't just translate the, the keywords and meta tags. They have to be adapted to that market and so forth. So, so the more you know about a specific market or client, the more you know how you can help and what content they find useful. And it doesn't have to be your own content. Your own content is, all, of course, always the best. But I share a lot of uh, other articles and blog posts that I know my target clients find useful that somebody else have written and I just share it on LinkedIn. Yeah, I think it's a great way of doing it. I think that's, as you said, if you can come up with your own content, that's always going to be preferable. But I think there's a lot to be said for, for putting together a list, a top five or a top 10 list or a, a list of one article a week or, or something like that. It just shows that you're in the right place and you're trying to help people as much as you can. So I think that's absolutely a, a good way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And you have to start out somewhere and, and sharing other people's content is a great way to start, especially if you don't have much time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I think what's what's coming through in all of these strategies tests is the, is the idea that you actually have to put in or you should put in a bit more effort than just saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to spam a bunch of people, I'm just going to send out 100 emails mm -hmm. to 100 random clients. And, and if you get into that situation, you're actually creating more work for yourself. It's exactly. going to be more difficult. But if you take the time, a little bit more time in the investigation, in research, in planning, in targeting, in understanding a particular industry, a particular niche, that to me is an investment that is just going to come back many times over as time progresses. You're going to become an expert. You're going to become known as an expert, as the go-to person in that particular area. So I think that's really what I get, what I'm getting from what you've been saying today, Tess. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, sending out mass emails um, and then wondering why nobody wants to work with you, that doesn't, you, you have to find ways that actually produce results. 
and knowing who you want to target and how you can help will pr produce more results. Yeah, yeah, just just so many times over. I think I think really I think nowadays if you send out a hundred hundred random emails or spam emails, effectively I I think actually you'd mm -hmm. be lucky to get one response sometimes. And I think if you can send out ten carefully crafted warm emails, I think you can often get quite a few responses from that. And some. And once you have um, your target market and your emails, it you, you, you can have a template and then just adjust it a little bit. It's not like you have to spend a whole day writing yeah. an email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either. Absolutely. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, well, such great advice, Tess. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you today. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up now. So let's talk, let's talk about a little bit about your plans for next year what you have going on in terms of your projects. I will share the link, of course, to that, that worksheet. That will be at anchor.fm slash pros. You'll be able to find that link. Thanks very much for that. So what are you planning for next year, Tess? Well, I hope I get to travel next year. <laughs> no, if you mean... Um... I have, I am launching my uh, course again called Marketing Mastery, uh, which is for more experienced translators. I'm launching it again in January, starting in February. And I also have um, an, an online marketing uh, course that I will launch maybe later than May-ish. So those are sort of my big projects that take a lot of my time. I will continue with my my podcast. I will probably do smaller workshops. Um, uh, I I help a lot of of translators optimize their resume or CV or profile and um, sort of cover letter to to um, to be more optimized for translation buyers. And so I will probably give a workshop like that somewhere. And um, yeah, that's about it. Very good, very good, very good, good, good. Well, we hope to have you on the pros.com training platform as well next year. I hope. I'd be uh, happy to. I gave a lot I of that, webinars yeah. before, but I haven't done that for a long time. Brilliant. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But that would be that would be fantastic if we are able to do something there. Brilliant, Tess. Well, thank you so much. Such, such great value. As always, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing your experience. Thank you for sharing that advice. And thanks for your commitment to helping so many translators and your continued commitment to that. So big thank you from me. Thanks from all of our listeners. And we'll talk to you again soon, Tess. Thank you for having me. And thank you for all you do, Paul. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Right. Excellent, excellent interview that one. I hope you I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, don't forget to head on over to anchor.fm/pros 
to check out the links and to uh, get your hands on that uh, on that free worksheet as well. If you'd like to connect with Tess directly, then head on over to marketingtipsfortranslators.com. Also, just a final reminder that you have up until December the 31st to take advantage of the very special discount on the pros.com membership offers. So that's go.pros.com slash 2020. Go.pros.com slash 2020. Thank you so much for all of your support this year. I wish you really all the best for the year ahead. If you have anything you'd like me to change on the podcast, this really is your show. So if you'd like me to uh, to interview someone specific or if you have any ideas or if you'd like to appear on the show yourself, then please don't hesitate to reach out. You can email me at training at pros.com. Thank you so, so much. Have a very, very happy new year. And uh, I'll be back in 2021. All the very best. Take care. Bye-bye.